Welcome to Participate. I am Mike Washburn. And I'm Dr. Julie Kane. This week's podcast is all about creativity and community. We'll ask Julie about how a community might encourage or foster creativity. And our guest this week is Sherry Sturman, uh, who is the Director of Education for Crayola. Exciting, exciting episode. And Julie, I have an exciting question for you this week. Go ahead, shoot. On our on our fun little segment now where I force you into, you know, your academic space. Um, I've been enjoying these segments, Mike. I have too. I, I, I'm into it. Um, so this week we're talking to Sherry. And when I think of creativity and companies working to foster creativity, I instantly think of Crayola. For I think obvious reasons, um, they're they're like the company of many of our childhoods, and it's funny how you and Sherry, before we were on air, were talking about how long Sherry had been working at Crayola, and she's literally been working there for almost thirty years now, and it's just amazing because you know she literally was working there through my childhood. And, and that's that's pretty amazing to me. And so I'm excited to talk to her about creativity and um, what they continue to do and the important work that they do with people who aren't just children, but as they grow into adults and into adulthood as well. And so all of this creativity talk got me thinking about how one might express creativity in a community of practice in terms of like the concept of communities of practice. How might a community of practice express or foster creativity within their community? I think this is one of my favorite questions, Mike. The real answer to me here is about trust. I think for a community of practice to foster creativity, it has to really foster trust for each member of that community to feel open, um, Mm. to be able to be vulnerable in that space um, is really when creativity can foster and be supported. So it is also important to remember, and I think when we think about art and certainly the sciences, it's when a community can bring together diverse perspectives and have a space where people who think differently can come together and really build knowledge together. So I think when we see the biggest advancements in science, art, music, those have been really situations where people from very different backgrounds, from really diverse perspectives can come together, kind of cross-pollinate, again, an effective community of practice where trust is built and fostered. Um, And I think that's really when you see these sort of explosions in new knowledge. And I think a community of practice is exactly where creativity can really, again, be fostered and flourish. It's amazing how many times trust comes up in so many um, aspects of our of our lives. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a book, um, um, Stephen Covey, who is like the the you know famed leader leadership um, coach, um, wrote a book called The Speed of Trust, and it basically changed my life mm-hmm. um, because it reminds you that trust is everything in in every situation. Yeah, and it, it's no different, I think, in communities of practice where you have to. You know, it's not just about like creating a space where like-minded individuals are because you can do that in a lot of different ways. Like you can push people together that that are working in the same area 
and it not be a community and it certainly not be a community of practice. And I think in those scenarios, you will not get the environment where creativity can show itself and, and flourish. And then you don't get a community of practice. You just get a place where people are. Yeah. Right. And, and that's that's different. Right. Yeah. I think there is real distinction here. And also something I'm thinking about with creativity as well is that it does require that sort of supportive environment that a community of practice provides. But also within that community are relationships and those relationships are required so that when people need to kind of step back and be on their own, because sometimes to be creative, you need some alone time to really think and kind of synthesize all the ideas that the community is sort of bringing you. And so for that to happen, you need those relationships in there. And so it's not just a place where people are, it's a place where people have come together and formed relationships. When we come back, we'll have our conversation with Sherry Sturman. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. As the Crayola Director of Education, Sherry Sturman helps educators understand creativity and build creative capacity. She translates research and best practices into professional learning experiences. She's passionate about STEM and equity and creative teaching. And we're so happy to have her on. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Sure. So at Crayola, our mission is all about helping parents and educators raise creatively alive children. And I am so fortunate that in my role in the company, it's deeply rooted in that mission, right? So a way that we like to describe my job is to bring the colorful wings to the invisible things that live in the hearts and mind of children, right? And you see that when you give children the opportunity to, to draw what they're thinking and feeling, a whole window opens up. So everybody knows about our iconic crayons, right? But to raise creatively alive children, that involves so much more than colorful tools. So the members of our education team like to say that we work on the idea side of the company, right? So other people make the products and we come up with ideas and really focus on inspiring educators and parents. And uh, as you were saying before, it's all about building their creative confidence and then helping, particularly now in this unusual time, helping parents and educators co-educate. It's actually funny. It's probably a whole other podcast, maybe even not this one, but a whole other show on how you take an idea in education related to Crayola and turn it into a product or an idea or a service. Um, I, I mean, I imagine that would be a fascinating story to tell as well. Yeah, when you were talking about being passionate around STEAM, one of the things that we get really excited about is sharing with children how STEAM teams design the toys and the materials that they like, right? Because you can't come up with a new toy or uh, without a scientist on the team and you've got your tech experts and the mathematicians and, of course, designers, right, artists. So for kids to see how those careers that they could aspire to are all working on things that make childhood more fun and colorful. 
I think that really underscores the importance of social learning, right? Bringing those teams of really diverse backgrounds together and then allowing kids to really have that visibility into really what it does mean to work as an adult. And that these are all adults that are really thinking about children's play and how important and how smart you have to be actually to to really support children at play. Um, So you know, Cheryl, that our work here is at Participate is really rooted in social learning. And we believe in the power of community to create new knowledge. In your vast education experience, how have you seen community impact the ways in which we learn and connect? So before I answer your question, I just want to start by saying that I love that Participate is focused on these communities' practice, right? That that is the essence of bringing educators together to build on each other's ideas. And that is just so exciting. Uh, because all teaching and learning is inherently that a, a relationship experience, right? We, it's deeply interwoven with the social connections we have. But to get back to answering your question, I like to draw upon the four pillars of the National Art Standards and the brilliance of the team that crafted the standards, right? You know, there's national standards for every area, you know, language arts and and math. And a lot of people are not familiar with the national art standards. But I just want to tell all educators that don't think that they only apply to teachers of the arts, right? Don't push them aside and say, that's not me, that's our art teacher. When you see the outline of the four pillars of the art standards, you'll say, wow, That's the essence of all teaching and learning. And the reason it's so relevant to your question, Julie, is that three of the four are inherently social. You couldn't do them without collaborating with others. So let's go through the four. The first is create, right? And that's where you form your new ideas and you bring them to life in a tangible way, whether it's an invention or a drawing and a story, right? Now, this create part can be solo or collaborative, right? So... You know, you have some choices here on on, on the social aspect. But the other three, we're going to go through them. They are definitely about communities of practice. They are about social experiences. So the second is present. And that's where you share with others the ideas and, and what you have created. Inherently social. As kids and adults employ a wide variety of ways to present Uh, performance strategies. It's all about sharing your work with others. The third pillar is respond. So that's where those who heard or saw your ideas and saw what you created, this is where they critique and enrich and build upon each other's work, right? So this is the most social of, uh, of, of all of these. And this is where Children learn to give feedback to each other that's really meaningful, kind-hearted, positive intent, continuous improvement. So we all want kids to collaborate, right? Collaboration is 21st century skill, but this is where they learn how to collaborate. And then the fourth is connect. It's my personal favorite because learning is only really sticky and memorable when you reflect on that experience and connect to prior knowledge, personal relevance, and societal context, right? So the point here is that these communities working together socially is inherently baked in to the national art standards. I just think it's so cool. 
I think it's amazing. I mean, I don't think that there's like a national standard for communities of practice, but if there was, you could almost take these four pillars and apply them to communities of practice as a standard. Let's do it, Mike. Come on, let's do it. We're the place to do it. Maybe that's the place to apply these as well. Like, I mean, they're they're dead on. And you're you're so right that they are inherently all social because i think creativity and and art and expression is 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 social in nature right absolutely in fact when uh, i introduce the art standards to teachers who are not really comfortable with art i challenge them to come up with any example from their discipline or in their experience that does not make teaching and learning stronger and better if by following those four processes, right? So like your social studies teachers are gonna give some examples and your science teachers, because anything you're learning where you create, present, respond, connect, it goes that much deeper. And so let's talk about creativity and communities a little more. So creativity in arts education, you know, is is challenging right now, I'm sure, in remote learning and and you know, spans far beyond, you know, classrooms and Zoom calls. So how do you inspire educators to use creativity for connection in local communities in particular? And what advice do you have for those looking to do that? I love your point about creativity going beyond the school building and classroom. And that's now clear and present more than ever before, right? Um, In fact, we find we've been talking to teachers quite a bit about using creative teaching strategies in distance instruction as a way to get students to lean forward uh, and, and really, you know, lectures never worked. Why would they work in a pandemic? So when students have that opportunity to create and share and hold what they're, uh, what they're creating up to the screen, so much more interaction as well as creative movement, right? Kids can't be sitting and staring at a screen. We've got to be super creative in how we uh, have creative movement and, and song and uh, dance as part of our instruction. But before you can do that, the first uh, issue that we have to address is build teachers' creative confidence, right? Because they have to believe that this is part of their mindset, uh, their style, feel comfortable with it before they bring it to their kids. So I'm sure you guys are talking to a lot of educators, a lot of adults who would say, oh, I'm not creative, I can't draw a straight line, right? We hear that a lot. (laughs) But since when is drawing a straight line had anything to do with being creative? Our goal here is not to uh, find the next Picasso. Uh, So one of the ways that I get teachers to think about this is to to reflect a moment on a statement that we really love and uh, it's, it's part of our Crayola DNA. We say, when something is created, something bigger happens. Just think about that for a minute, right? Super powerful. You put a little bit of yourself into anything you create. And of course that has value to you, right? It's inherently part of of what you're thinking and feeling. So uh, we urge educators to think of the many different ways that they are creative. So maybe you're not a big painter or you're not comfortable sketching, but Do you create great holiday festivals like top of mind in this season? Do you create a spectacular garden? Which of you has a fashion flair or a superpower as a home decor, you know, uh, 
piece. So there are endless ways that people are creative. Every one of them involves problem solving and generating ideas. And once we get teachers to realize they are creative, it opens up a whole new approach to the way they teach. Sherry, can I pick up on that last point a little bit? I think the two of us have actually talked about this in the past. What are the ways in which you work with school administrators to really open that space? I think teachers often feel constrained by the curriculum, by accountability systems, by testing. I think we all know that. So even if they want to be more creative in the classroom, they sometimes lack the agency to do that. What ways do you work with administrators to really create that space where teachers can take risks and be creative in their teaching? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So we all know the importance of the school leader's role. And I say school leaders in a a broad sense, right? Because teacher leaders are are part of that, uh, as well as principals. um, And and clearly the principal's vision for a school has such an important impact. Uh, Our dearest friends and colleagues in education are principals who allow those teachers' vision and personal style to come to life. but you're right. Teachers need to to stretch their their in their own way, bring their own style, and I like to say include the kids in this, right? So as long as we're all clear on what the learning objectives are, right? Like teachers know that standards have to be met, but there's so many different ways that it can be approached, and if we let kids have a strong voice, yeah, in picking their projects and uh, designing them and assessing them, so much better. In, in that whole process. There's so much more agency and ownership. Okay, so we've talked about educator creativity and agency, and of course we've talked about the importance of children's creativity and play. Um, how about you? As you reflect upon your own creativity and connections, what are the learning communities that um, have made an impact on you and have helped shape your practice and inspired new knowledge? So we all go back to our roots, who we were as a child uh, still comes forward, right? In fact, we say in a lot of our invitations, don't come as you are, come as you were. Bring your childlike spirit to this meeting or this conversation. And in terms of my own practice, I am a firm believer in learning from children and letting children guide the way, whether that's your own, you know, your inner child and, and, uh, and that strength or the children around you. So I was raised with a great deal of creative autonomy, and that's the way I raised my three kids, right? So my suggestion is really lean in as a listener and find the gems and wisdom from others, particularly those uh, who, who are young and fresh and who were charged with educating. Sherry, how can people learn more about what Crayola is doing in education? How can they connect with you and reach out to you if they're interested in in connecting? Yeah, I would love that. So, of course, there's Crayola.com, which, you know, the website's rather broad and, and, and uh, far-reaching because we communicate a lot with parents and educators. But when you go to Crayola.com, go to the tab that says for educators, and I would love to personally connect uh, with listeners. So I would suggest on Twitter, uh, it's real easy. It's at Sherry Sturman, right? Um, and uh, Or at Crayola EDU. And we would love to continue the connection with people. We know that, that educators always want what's best for their kids, right? Like that is a, this is a mm-hmm. field, a profession where we're so motivated by doing what's right. 
And we find that when we boost educators' creative confidence um, and we tell them what the research shows, you know, we, we share the research studies that show how students who uh, have creative experiences do better in school, they're all in. So we'll put those links in the show notes for folks. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Yes, thank you, Sherry. It was a great conversation. We always would love to have you back. And thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Participate. My name is Dr. Julie Kane. My co-host is the great Mike Washburn. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at participate.com. You can tweet us at, at participate. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found there at Julie Kane. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or in Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. Thanks as always for listening. Until next time. Until next time.